0: Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 this is Jimmy Carboni on Beer Sessions Radio. It's uh, September 30th, 2014. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got some special guests in the house, so uh, I'm kind of quaking under the... uh Talent in this room. We get Yepe from Evil Twin, Alex from the Nomad, and uh, Bill Kovalesi from Victory. So it's gonna be a pretty great show tonight. Thanks for our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com. All right, so here we are, Heritage Radio Network. It's almost October and uh, we sat in on a very cool tasting yesterday at the Nomad restaurant um alex you're you're the manager just just give us a quick introduction and tell us about the beer program that you guys have over there
1: so uh dining room manager at the nomad um and i had a little bit of a background doing a beer thing uh down in tribeca for a couple of years so when i came in they wanted to go in a different direction they asked me to uh take a look at the beer list um and it was awesome when i when i inherited it uh kurt kelloway who um became the uh, general manager of 11 Madison Park had started it out with uh, Brandon Latavere, one of the other managers there, and they had some really, really awesome stuff in the cellar when I started, and we just needed a little bit more um, focus and direction. So I started putting something together, um, and the res- what we call the reserve list uh, came out of it. Um, so now it's about 110 beers that range from anything like Schneider Aventinus going back to 2006 um, to newer stuff that I'm really into, uh, Cascade with a couple of years on it. We wanted something that we wanted a place that we could have a bunch of beers and age them, as well as have uh, a smaller, more focused cocktail menu where we have stuff like Evil Twin and um, other more contemporary stuff as well.
0: That's awesome. So Yeppe from Evil Twin, he hangs out a lot at the Nomad with you, Alex.
1: <laughs> Quite Hi, a bit. You. I'm a regular.
0: <laughs> so all the, uh, the the stalkers can go to Nomad and. <laughs> See guys like Yaffe coming in. What other what other beer guys do you have there on a regular basis?
1: Um, we have a really good relationship with uh, Garrett Oliver. Of course, um, he when we first opened, he did a beer for us uh, that pairs with our most famous dish, the chicken for two. Um, so when we opened, Garrett designed a, a brown ale. It's called Le Poulet It's a Belgian brown, um, really dark, spicy, uh, and sweet. Perfect for chicken that's stuffed with foie gras, truffles, and brioche. Um, so he's around a lot, and then uh, the guys from Other Half—they did the first uh, class that we did in the series of three. So um, Sam and Matt are really awesome; they make really great beer. So we're big fans of them as well. So you got, you have a class that's just for your staff? Yeah. So um, we just Maggie actually uh, came to me with an idea to uh, <laughs> to do a series of three classes based on work that she's been doing regarding local sustainable beer and. How it's made and how it affects our uh, local food scene. Um, so we started out. The first one we did was with Other Half, where they came in and they discussed how they're what they're doing um, and the Farm Brewery Act as well, and how that opened up a lot of things for small brewers. Um, and then the second one was at the Abbey and um, the guys from Two Roads. Uh, John from Two Roads came in and talked a little bit about what they're doing. Um, it was a nice little segue because uh, Hipster brewed at Two Roads as well. And then we're finishing up on October 13th with um, Garrett. We're going to taste the chicken, taste the poulé, and hear the story of the beginning. I think I might go to that one. You should come <laughs> to that one. It's, it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. Fletig. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, with, with Yeppe, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's a kind of a theme t- on today's show about restaurants and beer because you know you you what do you like about the nomad because you have some news to tell us too but <laughs> tell us how news. a restaurant like the nomad inspires you as a, as a beer guy
2: i mean the first time i went to nomad i didn't go as a beer guy i just went to try it out and i'm a big you know i'm into food a lot and uh, i just went and i love what they do and i'm i'm into cocktails a lot too and nomad has maybe the best cocktail program in the whole city so you know it was just you know i just went in and and had dinner and loved it and and Heard that they started to, to take my beers in on the on the menu And, you know, Alex got hired And, and we started talking and, and all of a sudden he was like Maybe we should make a beer together just for Nomad And I was, you know, all about it Because when I when I work with people It has to be a mutual respect So if someone like Alex comes in and says Hey, you want to do something for Nomad And I absolutely love the place already I mean, it's pretty easy for me to be convinced that That, that, that that's a good idea So...
0: All right. And then Bill Bill Kovaleski, uh one Thank of you. the we got kind of the I guess Jeppe's new world, but you know, new brewer, mm-hmm. but not really, but you're you're seem like the, you know, veteran in the
3: in the room. Well I'm sitting Victory. back. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying what I'm hearing here because um this is a lot of inspiration for someone who's been operating a restaurant for nearly uh, 19 years. And, of course, our restaurant is sort of out in the country, so to speak, um, between Philadelphia and Lancaster. But uh, anyone in the restaurant business knows the types of products that come from that area. The Lancaster Valley and uh, Lancaster County are well known for the wonderful products that they provide. So um, I'm totally enjoying this conversation, and uh, I think that... Um, the food culture that's occurring here in New York, being driven by beer to some extent, is uh, is really inspirational.
0: So, yup, yeah, you you opened up L- Tours and Luxus. What was the inspiration for that?
2: Uh, the inspiration was actually we wanted to do a beer bar, and that was pretty much it. Um, I didn't have any desire to do a restaurant, mainly because uh, beer is what I do, and I'm not a, I'm not a cook, so I didn't know, you know. How to to open a restaurant, and, I, and I'd like to do what I'm good at. Um, then I met Daniel Burns, um, Canadian chef who lives in New York. He was working at Momofuku at the time, um, and he was in between. Now he he had worked at Momofuku and was in between in between jobs, and we became good friends. and We started doing like pop up dinners together, and uh, we found a space that had a full kitchen out in Greenpoint. Um, and I was like, we get a full kitchen for free. We should do something with this kitchen. So I asked him if he was into uh, into opening a restaurant. But I told him one thing: the only thing I ask for you from you is that we don't do anything but beer with the food. I mean, no wine, no alcohol, no nothing. So to have a chef at his at his level to to uh, to agree with that is not easy. But he did, and um, you know now.
0: What's, the big, really what's
2: the big news? The today? big news <laughs> is—it's actually I got the news like a couple of hours ago. Uh, a couple of hours ago, that we got the, our first Michelin star, and uh, it's quite a big deal because, um, I mean, first of all, me coming from Denmark, Michelin in Europe is extremely big. It pretty much controls what's what's good and what's not good in in, in Europe, um, and the fact that we are actually the first restaurant in the world to get a star that only serves beer. Um, you know, it's a little bit of history writing. Uh I mean, we wanted to show with our place that beer is a good match with food, um, and we want to show that you can actually go all the way with only beer. and And I think we have showed that a little little more today. So I'm very excited about it. Congratulations! Thanks a lot. Congratulations! Thank, Thank you. you.
3: <laughs> Radio is kind of weird. You can't scream for joy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> awesome news.
0: Well, yeah. Bill, you know what? What are you doing tonight? Just trying to like get a sense of. of you know, there's this there's, there's Luxus and Tours, there's, there's the Nomad, but wh- where, where are you going to be going tonight? Uh, quite honestly,
3: city. I'm in the hands of RJ, my uh, very, very capable sales manager here in, in the metro area. Um, it's been a busy time for us. I think that everyone in this room knows what a busy schedule is like, and uh, when I come up here, I often just uh, throw myself into the mix and let him figure out where we're going to go, so... Um, it's wide open so for this the, evening. So what
0: are the places that you're going to
4: take, Bill, when for you sure come for more here from Pennsylvania? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're here in, in Bushwick, which is sort of, you know, the seat of a lot of interesting food, things going on with food, drink. Uh, so from here, really within walking distance, uh, there's any number of, of great places we could go. I think we might start off a um, new place right down the block uh, called Forest Point. Uh, opened up a few guys from the city. Opened that up, uh, I guess, two weeks ago. We might go over to Montana's a little bit further into Bushwick later. Jeff- Jefferson stop, right? Yeah, I think the Jefferson yeah. stop. Uh, Pine Box right around the corner. Great place to get a beer as well. So come, come
3: on, Jimmy. This. You know you're you're making it tough for a guy that's in beer sales. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Where do you get a beer?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shortage of spots in in the immediate vicinity for sure.
0: No, it's fun. It's fun having Bill out here, and I know that. Uh, We we invite you on the show, and then you're going to do a special event at Blind Tiger tomorrow night too.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's true. You know, the Blind Tiger events are really sort of special for us because um, it just it attracts such a great crowd. Uh, I see a lot of faces that I don't see at other events in New York, so it kind of is almost like a homecoming uh, in a weird way uh, we get you know a, a crowd that shows up almost at certain times there's certain expectations for it um i would encourage more people to come out i don't know if we can fit you but uh, everyone's welcome and uh yeah it's going to be a pretty complete and awesome lineup there tomorrow night at the blind tiger for mm-hmm. us
0: all right well tell us about how you guys started i think this is the first time on the show and
3: uh uh, well, my start um, almost dates back to 1973, if you break it down. I met my business partner, uh, co-founder and co-brewmaster Ron Barche, on a school bus um, about this time of year in 1973. And uh, we began, after playing ice hockey and beating each other up and doing all that fun stuff that normally happens, uh, after college we started homebrewing. Uh, My dad was from the coal country of Pennsylvania, so he was a super resourceful guy, uh, gardener, canner, pickler, home brewer, um, which probably was doing before it was technically legal. But at any rate, I adopted his kit in 1985 as um, an out-of-work artist. Bachelor of Fine Arts degree wasn't doing too much for me. So at any rate, um, I adopted that, and uh, I passed it along to Iran as well, and we just began challenging one another. He first got professional in 1989, joining the Baltimore Brewing Company as um, Theo de Gruin, a German-trained Dutch brewmaster's first apprentice, and then I followed in those shoes. We did Bayern Stefan and Domens, uh, respectively, and then after some strong Belgian beers and New Year's Eve of 93-94, uh, we convinced our wives to let us write a business plan and try and break out on our own.
0: All right, man. <laughs> and then oh, you, you first—the first beers you made. First beers no we right. had the hop Devil, mm-hmm. the
3: IPA yeah i mean 1996 was kind of a weird time um there wasn't a whole lot of history to place your faith in so we opened up with a lineup of uh, two lagers and one ale uh we figured that we were playing it safe but we were also playing it the way that we enjoyed it with the lagers we had a um a dortmunder style lager called uh brandywine valley lager which has now morphed into our hellas victory lager And we had uh, Victory Fest beer, which is a Mertzen style that we still continually brew. And then we had the wild card. We had um, an American whole flower hopped IPA built out of German malt, which we thought no one would enjoy but us. And surprisingly, Hop Devil became our largest seller. Wow.
0: Have have you had Victory before, Alex?
3: Um, Actually, we opened with Prim
1: Pills as our main line and probably ran it for almost two whole years before i ended up swapping it out it it was difficult for me to change but we just needed to change at the time but i had victory for quite a few years and uh ran it for a while in different forms as well
0: yeah i like it too i mean i'm I'm always amazed at the 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 range of beers you have because you have like these crazy ipas hop Mm -hmm. double the the ranch series then you're also making like these beautiful german beers like the braumeister pills that series I'm always asking yeah. for the Dunkel Lager. The Schwartz the, 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 yeah, the Pills. You guys sneak it in there.
3: Yeah, well, it's only you and me and Ron and like a few other people, Jimmy. So we'll keep making it, though. You know, the the interesting thing, and I touched on it earlier about being sort of out in the country brewing our beers, is um, I often like to joke: if you came to Downingtown, you would understand why we make so many different beers. It's like you have to brew your own fun out there. So <laughs> uh, you know, we needed to make everything that would entertain us. And fortunately, it's entertained a lot of other people, too. All
2: right. I'm actually, um, I'm looking up. I use, when I started now, like, I was into rate beer a long time ago when I started becoming a beer geek. And uh, my fourth highest rating of all ratings I've done, I think I did, like, 2,500 uh, ratings in total, is actually a Victory Old Horizontal. And uh, I'm just looking it up now. It's kind of funny now that I have the man right next to me Um Saying nothing less than outstanding and definitely one of the best beers I've ever had, if not the best. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit choked up. A little bit choked up. I still remember it. I actually I rated it more than 10 years ago and I still remember that beer, so it must have done an impact.
3: Yeah, beer memories are a really amazing thing. I was actually in Costa Rica last week doing a series of three beer dinners um, involving Costa Rican breweries, and this one young man who works at the Costa Rican Craft Brewery. Um, I had two bottles left that I could share, and he was talking about how Hop Devil had been his first IPA, and he loved it and everything, so I went back to my room, I pulled out the last bottle of that, the last bottle of Prima, and not only was he thrilled, but when he looked at the label, he noticed how we had changed one of the colors in the label, so it's amazing the impressions you can make with beer, mm. you know, right from the, the image on through the, the impression.
0: That's no, it's cheers to you guys, man. All right. Hey, um, t- talking about just beer and making beer, um, what about water? You know, w- you're going back to Yeppe. You know, you're you brewing different breweries, and uh, you know, how does the water affect the styles that you make? Because we, we we were talking yesterday about the hipster ale and how you started that campaign.
2: I mean, yeah, I do. I, I brew at a lot of different breweries. Um, and I have this new column at, at Vice Munches also that I'm writing about my travels around the world. Uh, the first one came out last week about uh, Mexico, where I went down A couple of weeks ago, and You know, going into new systems And new breweries all the time, it's, it's a big challenge I mean, the, the mold is pretty much always the same The hops hub are pretty much always the same The yeast we can always get, but the water Is always, always different, and you know, brewers cheat wa- uh, cheat the water, but they they uh, but it's still in fix, You know how the beer is going to taste, and that's it's kind of exciting to see. You know, how to work with different things, and I've made the same beer at, in two different countries, and it came out pretty different. And you know, we use the same ingredients. I know this, the actual brewing brewing system does a little bit difference also, but definitely the water has a big impact on that thing. So,
0: what what, what for you, Bill? Because you. You guys have a new brewery now. you yeah, moved
3: down the road. I mean, we actually tried to minimize the impact of water, of course, while we were trying to build our second brewery. So um, we're very fortunate at our original brewery in Downingtown because we're on a pristine watershed, and, and the water only travels 14 miles from the headwaters, the very you know, source rivulets, uh, down to where we pull it out. And so we need to duplicate that which really geographically limited a lot of our options in terms of good industrial space because the next one's an even bigger brewery. So long story short, we were very fortunate to find a facility that was rail-served, spacious enough, on the sister watershed, the west branch of the Brandywine Creek. So geologically and uh, hydrologically, they're identical. Uh, So we're getting very, very consistent water from both facilities, which for us was clearly a priority. We didn't want to go through the headache of trying to duplicate water quality.
2: No, and I totally understand that. I wouldn't do it either. I mean, it's only when I go out to different countries, I'm not going to send an email to Mexico and tell them to get me some special (laughs) water. (laughs) they would probably be like, ah, I don't know about that. I feel like
1: when you brew in different countries, you can almost embrace the water as, like, it's as close to terroir and beer as you're going to get. Exactly. It's like the old Burton on Trent kind of thing. And that's what I
2: like about it. That's also why sometimes I I get asked, what do you want to do about the water? I'm like, you know, let's just do what you normally do, because I definitely want to show, you know, I want to... I don't want to travel to Mexico and make the exact same beer that I'm making in Connecticut. I mean, why the hell would I go to Mexico to do that? So it's fun for me to go there and and see how it comes out. Uh, No,
3: I absolutely agree with those philosophies. The water can be the terroir. So that is the admirable way to go about it.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today.
1: <laughs>
3: a hey,
0: hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Rodder and Bushwick, Brooklyn. The Morgan stop on the L. Afterwards, we're probably going out to the Jeff stop and checking out some uh, bars with uh, Bill Kowalewski. But uh, we got great, great lineup here. Yappe from Evil Twin, uh, Alex from The Nomad, and, and Bill from uh, Victory. Great little... I'm still kind of shaking with these... Huge <laughs> pillars of the industry in my room with me today. It is great. I mean, first, Yappe, you know, we, we we love having you and Alex. I, I met you recently and, and saw what you've been doing at the Nomad. But with Bill, really, when we have, you're almost a pioneer of craft beer. I know in, uh, um, you know, Steve Hindy's book, he was he was talking about you as that that middle generation.
3: Yeah, no, that's um, you know, everyone hands you opportunity, um, wherever you're wherever you're born into the whole cycle of things, and uh, there's some really substantial breweries that put us on the map. Um, you know, I was drinking a Stout's Pills outside here at the bar, and uh, Carol and Ed Stout, um, you know, they kick things off in Pennsylvania. So there's always people you admire and you follow, but hopefully you're inspired enough to uh, to do your own thing and, and add to the party rather than subtract. And uh, we feel we've, we've had that role.
0: Great. And uh, you brought some beers for us. Before we had the, the No Matter Pills mm. uh, from Evil Twin, is. And uh, sorry. <laughs> <no matter. laughs> I had a lot of I had a lot of beer last <laughs> night. Guess what I drank last night? I drank I drank the single cut half stack for like six hours.
2: <laughs> One it's glass annual. or a lot That's of that's the thing
0: now. We have we have so many n- new great breweries and it's like like there's the dueling best IPA in New York. You know, that's that's something going on. But this is what's this? This is your Dirt Wolf double IPA.
3: Yeah, we brought up some Dirt Wolf. Um, It's actually not even a full year old. Uh, It was rolled out in October of last year, and uh, much to some of our fans' chagrin, um, it actually killed off one of our flagship beers, the Hop Wallop. And to those people, you know, I explained that what we had available to us in hops And technology in 2003 is is completely different than what we had available to us in 2013. So we went with the flow, and we embraced what Mother Nature was giving us, and we created a a different double IPA uh, that was more aligned. So what's changed? Uh, The hops. We've got uh, a whole lot of Mosaic, Simcoe, um, Chinook in here. Uh, The Mosaic is sort of the biggest player and the most unique of the varieties. We just picked up a uh, trailer full of wet hops two weeks ago, which we threw into our Harvestdale, and uh, it was really cool because the folks at Roy Farm said this is the most uh, this is the most mosaic we've ever seen loaded into a into a truck. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, but
0: what for some of your your flagship beers, like the the, the some specialty IPAs you make and the hipster, what hops are you using? for those.
2: I mean the our IPA that is our like our IPA is Falco and it's actually based on a hopland called Falconus flight so that's why it got its name Falco also. Um it's a hopland that was created to kind of imitate some of the hops that you know there's a big hop shortage now because all the brewers use the same hops everybody wants Simcoe everybody wants you know Mosaic or Nelson Sauvin and to imitate something like that, they blended, uh, I think it's three or four different hops. Um, and it's a cool hop blend, and I kind of liked it. And I, I wanted to make a beer just of hop, hop blends, so I like, t- took that new approach to it and, and made a beer from that. So Falco is, is based on falcon's flight. Um, Simcoe is actually a fun beer because... Uh, no, not Simcoe. Hipster is a fun beer because when I made Hipster, the whole idea was also to... To meet that hop shortage, and 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 hipster is a beer that I where I change the hops. If if we run out, we just change it, and we don't. It's the same beer, it's the same label, and everything. But it's kind of the whole idea of, of the beer that we can actually change the hops without you know feeling bad about it. It's like a field blend. It is. It is. You know, hipsters drink it anyway. So as long as it's in a can. Exactly. Well, I also admire
3: that whole. Uh, Concept of sustainability because you're accessing the hops that are readily available rather than driving the industry in a place where it doesn't want to go.
2: Yeah, and for for, for my brand, it's been a problem. To you know, I've only f- we only four years old and we've been growing like crazy the last four years. Uh, we've been more than doubling our production, and I haven't had a, co- a hop contract that was big enough. You know, I couldn't predict what was going to happen next year. I didn't know that I was going to triple the production next year, so I made a hop contract, kind of filling it out, and find out that I had way too little. So, you know, I, to, I just have to roll with it, and, 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 you know, if I don't have the hops, I can't, I can't make them up. It's not like I can make Falco, you know, I can't get Falconer's flight if I can't get it, so I just have to figure that out on the way, and I have to change recipes from time to time because of that. Uh, I, I can't really plan what's happening, and next year's gonna, probably going to be even, even more.
0: Yeah, there must be more and more demand for hops.
2: There is big demand for hops for sure.
3: Yeah, but I think fortunately, um, after the market correction of 2007, when we really hit rock bottom and and people were literally, you know, being turned away uh, from their hop contracts, um, we've really basically corrected the marketplace so that hop growers are at least getting a fair price, so they're encouraged to put in more vines. Um, Prior to that, they were tearing out vines and they were putting in orchards and putting in new homes. So, um, you know, it takes a certain price for people to want to be a hop farmer.
2: I mean, I had made my hop contract last year for 14 and 15, and a couple of, like a month ago, I wanted to look at at, at 16 also, and I asked for uh, for the price sheet from from our hop supplier, and a hop like Nielsen Savang is sold out until 2020. <laughs> I was like, what? That's like six years. So that makes it difficult to plan ahead. You know, you really have to know what you want to do in six years. It's nice that you
1: snuck the um, Femme Fatale Blanc in there before you ran out of. Uh, oh, totally! I, I have that. I have that <laughs> had a contract
2: this year. So <laughs> it's delicious.
0: Well, how, how, on your end, uh, Alex, with with the restaurant, I mean, what are the demands of people? Do they expect to have the same beer all the time? Do they expect to have a really hoppy beer?
1: I think know? it depends on um, what kind of place you are. And since we're in a in a hotel. Um, we're getting a little bit different clientele than you would at a uh, smaller restaurant or something even in Brooklyn. Um, a hotel with a lot of visibility in New York City, in Manhattan. Um, I get a lot of people who don't want to look at a menu. So we're selling a lot of Pilsner. Uh, we're selling a lot of IPA. Um, and you have to be careful about what what you have on your main lines, on your draft. So you know, I'll always keep a... Uh, uh, innocuous pills and round What do you have on right on now? It's uh, Firestone Pivo, so it's basically as great as it can get and make me happy, and something that I want to drink. I love um, that beer. Yeah. It, it's awesome. it's so good. Yeah, it's and, so good. And at the same time, not um, disappointing anyone who's going to come in and who says, "Hey, I don't want to think. I just want to order a light beer." So that it's sort of like walking the line of making our guests happy and sh- and also teaching them something about it. Um, our IPA on draft is, um, is founders all day. You know, It's another innocuous but still absolutely drinkable, totally delicious beer. And then once I satisfy that core need of, oh, I want an IPA, oh, I want a Pilsner, I can sort of get outside and, and do something that's going to be make me a little bit more happy but also um, expand these people's eyes uh, the way they're looking at craft beer. So right now we have um, Femme Vital Yuzu on draft as well. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Finback, Fort Tildeness, the white IPA that I was drinking all summer.
0: <laughs> That's great. What? Is, so tell us about the, the No Matter Vice beer. Um, how did that collaboration come about?
1: Well, so um, like I said before, I, uh, I was sort of hired into this really awesome beer program as it was already. And uh, the guy who was in charge of it before me, Brandon Latavere, had talked to Yeppe about doing a beer together um, and that was how the No Matter Wit came about. Um, it was a 22-ounce bottle, Belgian-style whip beer. It was fully 100% brett-fermented.
2: Not 100%. Not 100%. Re, re-fermented mostly. with brett, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Delicious. Um, you know, and it was in a bomber, so that's sort of not everyone's going to order it. And I thought that sort of was restrictive a little bit. Um, so when we were coming up with the, the next one last summer, we started talking about it. And I was really into the Westbrook Goza at the time as was everyone probably uh absolutely delicious so we thought about it and you know i came to Ibe and said hey uh can we do something in a can maybe a berliner weiss and you know it, we just happen to have a very similar taste in beer i think um so we went with it and it was awesome although we did run into some difficulties uh doing a canned beer at first right
2: i mean yeah Alex asked me if i will you know if you can do the beer and if you can do it in cans i was like we can but you have to buy about 100,000 cans. <laughs> 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 anyway, I, I, I know Nomad, Nomad enough to know that that might be a little too much, but we you know, we came up with this idea of calling Nomad Advisor, so we could also sell it. We didn't call it Nomad Advisor, we called it Nomada, so it's like it was a play on the, the Nomad thing, and you know, we, we distribute it in the whole country now. Um, I just love the idea of doing a Berliner Weiss in cans. I like cans, and I like Berliner Weisses, and it's just an easy drink will be. And Alex also introduced me to the idea of, of, you know, traditionally in Berlin, you serve it with syrups to sweeten it, which is, I don't, it's not something I really approve of, I don't really like it that way, but if you can make some, I mean, Alex told me they would make some really... Like good in-made, in-made craft syrups mm. that people could do their own blends at the table, and I thought that was an awesome idea. So we're doing that now. Yeah, Nomad so is doing that now.
1: It was pretty cool. Um, so if you come to the Nomad, a lot of our uh, food items and snacks are served on wood boards. Um, that's made by a woodworking company in New Jersey. So I we had this idea to make a custom wood tray. Uh, and in the middle, it would have an inlay for the can. So the can would sit right in the middle. And then two little glass decanters on each side of, um, of the can as well. And so on the right side, just like in Germany, it's traditional raspberry syrup. On the left side, we do a, um, a basil fennel syrup as well. Uh, and then we have a dill syrup in the, uh, that we could throw in there also. But um, super cool. You have traditional where it's traditionally raspberry and traditionally herbal. Um, and it's just been really awesome. And what I think it does is it opens up uh, the beer to someone who might not want to order a sour beer. You know, the people that we're selling it to, it's like, oh, it's an omen house beer. Okay, what? And the, it starts a conversation. We can tell them, hey, back in, when Berliner Weisses were first made, they were super sour, and to make them more palatable, uh, Germans would add sweet syrup to it. So this is our version of it. And it, I think, what it does is it brings. Um, a sour beer of a super traditional style to an audience that would
2: never ever order a sour beer in a can. Plus, it's very much in lot you know I've been eating a nomad a lot and the way nomads serve nomad serve things is you know it's interaction with the with the customer interaction with the people that eat there and to do that with not just the food but actually bring that to the beer also when people can actually create their own beer you know you get this one can that you can taste first and it's sour and it's light and it's you know then you can add one syrup and another syrup and then you can like create your own beer at the table it's very exciting for, pe- for people it's
1: yeah. kind of it was kind of funny when you came in with mads uh from acme he kind of he looked at the thing and looked at me and goes why would i want to put syrup in my beer <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it's fun because you know you can put the syrup but you don't have to and it's just it's an option and it makes yeah. it more dynamic
0: that's awesome well then you we had the the no matter of Ice from evil twin and bill you just poured the uh, the wild devil so
3: yeah, the Wild Devil's fruit. circulating right now, and I, th- I think it's going to be a great foil after the really incredible, refreshing qualities of the No Matter Vice. Um, the tartness of the No Matter just cuts right through and uh, leaves your palate ready for something different, uh, I suppose. Different would definitely be the story behind the, vi- the Wild Devil because um, this is up until fermentation. Uh, it goes completely through the brew house as Hop Devil. So the recipe, water, malted barley, hops... It's all identical to Hop Devil, except for in primary fermentation, we use a strain of uh, Brettanomyces that we isolated that is not a very tart um, producer, doesn't produce a whole lot of lactic acid. And then we um, finish it in secondary condition with a slightly more tart lacto, uh, I'm sorry, um, Britannomyces. So if you're familiar with Hop Devil, you could drink this beer and, and think it was from a different planet. Um, but it really, for us, it illustrates... The incredible impact of of one constituent, the yeast, and um, dryness, more like fresh cut cherry wood, very tannic uh, quality to it. What do you
0: think about this, yeppe
2: I like it. Uh, I like you know. I'm I'm a big fan of bread beers. Uh, the two that I brought, these other ones, are both made with bread. Um, you know, yeast is a very interesting creature, and uh, it, as as Bill says, it's definitely you can take one beer that has the same malt, same hops, same water if you change the yeast, I mean, it's a different beast, you know, it's a total different beer it's, you can't even, you wouldn't even know that it was the same thing, it's very interesting
1: The one one of the nice things about beer, and you know, I could
2: tell Alex <laughs> wanted to say
3: something <laughs> he started it's moving the body vast. language, <laughs> I'm fidgety
1: uh, one of the cool things, and it's funny because my approach to beer is from much from a, a drinking side and not from a, a creating it side, so I have some weird opinions about it, but the one thing that I love about yeast and that when each brewer develops their own strain, it's like, even in a collaboration, um, you can almost taste from the yeast whose uh, brew house they used. It's, it, when I was out in California, I tasted a, a collaboration between Three Floyds and Firestone. And you could sense that Three Floyds had something to do with it, but very much Firestone yeast. And the same, the same thing that goes the other way. Three Floyds is such a distinct yeast profile, and you guys have a very distinct yeast profile. So it's, it's pretty cool that you can sort of sense that.
3: It's funny how you dial it down to yeast because it's really uh, larger than that. It's the synergy of the fermentation, uh, the tanks themselves. We actually have 45 different yeast strains, which is sort of goes back to that whole concept of making your own fun in Downingtown. We wanted to have a broad range of options that we could apply to uh, any different style that we wanted to produce. So the the fact that we have two Bretts in here, one that actually is a little bit more sour than the other, and we reserve that for the secondary conditioning, is really sort of the, you know, taking the elements you have and designing a beer. But somehow, for the consumer like yourself, Alex, there's still this like memory of like, oh, I kind of know where that came from. That's a good thing.
0: No, it's great. I love it. RJ, how do you sell Wild Devil? Because you're out there selling to accounts. So yep. how what would you, how would you describe it to Montana? Montana's the bar we're going to? <laughs>
4: um you know, Wild Devil it's you take something that people are, are fairly familiar with at this point, uh a beer that's been around for eighteen years, something like, like Hop Devil. Um and it's it's really a great opportunity to show what yeast actually does in a beer. You taste this side by side with Hop Devil and it's not that they're unrecognizable, but the hops are such a the interplay between the hops and the malts just in Hop Devil is is what that beer is all about with with this it's fairly neutral yeast in, in Hop Devil bring something like this into play it totally takes over so much to Bill's point This is great. This is a beer that I should
0: have. on. I should definitely have the Evil Twin No Matter Vice, and I should have the Victory Wild Devil on my beer list,
4: Jimmy. I sold you.
0: I think you just did. Great. (laughs) All right. Hey, we're gonna take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey, welcome back to Beer Assassins Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're here at Roberta's and Bushwick. Network dot org. Check it out. You can be a member. There's a lot of great shows. A lot of new shows too. And uh, one of my favorites is Eating Your Words with Kathy Irway. So if you like like cookbooks and food, check that out. All right. So here we are. We got Yeppe from Evil Twin, Alex from the Nomad, and uh, Bill and RJ from uh, Victory. We we're just talking about uh, we talked about water. We talked about you know funky new beers, but uh yeah, but what's this beer? I've never had this one either. This it's is a, a chance for Jimmy to try out a new beer. That's why we do the show. Yeah. Jimmy, it's a funky new beer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a beer called Fanfatel, uh, that I made the first time a couple years ago. Um, we call it an IPA, but it's not really an IPA. So it's a 100% bread-fermented IPA, um, fermented with a strain called Bread C, which is a very fruity uh, strain of bread. But um, I made it the first time two years ago, and it was just like, you know, a hobby beer with, with bread, and it came out really good. And I thought it was so good that I wanted to play on it a little bit and do some twists. So we made a black version called Femme Fatale Noir. Um, we made a version with 100% Nelson Savang hops, which is a very aromatic hop from New Zealand called Femme Fatale Blanc. And uh, then, you know, as everyone else, I got obsessed with the uh, Japanese seafood called uh, Yuzu. Um, so and I just thought the yuzu and the, and, the, and the bread would play really well together so I made a, a version called Fan Fatale Yuzu came out awesome I loved it and I was in then I went to Jap- Japan last December um, and I went to, to the fish market at 4 o'clock in the morning and tried out yuzu and I tried two new citrus fruits called Sudachi and Kabosu and liked them a lot And I was like With my whole obsession What's, what's Sudachi? Sudachi and Kabosu It's all, two other Japanese citrus fruits That you only get from Japan and Since I loved Yuzu so much I tasted those two And they they were really good And I was like You know I want to Let's do some more With the Fan Fatale thing And make a Kabosu beer And a Sudachi beer And the one we have right now Is the Sudachi uh, So it's a different citrus fruit From Japan and the other one on the table that we're gonna taste in a little bit is Cabosso. So, it's three different citrus fruits. Uh, one of them, like juice, is very tart, very sour. Um, one of them is very, like one of the other ones is more like melony, and one of them is more orangey. So they have different flavors. I kind of—it's just a fun way to play with with different fruits in the same beer. The restraint and nuance in this
3: beer is absolutely amazing. I mean, like it hits your nose like it's going to be some kind of crazy cake. There's bread-like qualities to it. And then all of a sudden, chocolate, the too. It's like, chocolate. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, there's elements there. that, you know, haven't been described in terms of the process that my brain is saying are in here for sure. There's spice and cake qualities to it for, for you know, for the very least. And I think that the restraint of the bread and the restraint of the citrus are
2: just phenomenal. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, I, it's 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 a beer that I just I have had a lot of fun playing around with it and and. You know, we have made seven, six or seven different fun patels now, and it just it's, it's has so much going on in terms of the yeast and everything. So it's just a fun way to to take something and and, and go with it and see what how much you can get out of it, or if you can you know, get something totally different out of it. I wanted to make a Christmas version also and add like I don't know oranges and and, and spices or I don't know something like that, but we never got to. it. This almost tastes it.
0: like a Christmas version. It almost does, exactly. <laughs> I swear to God, there's chocolate in there.
2: <laughs> no, I was absolutely no chocolate.
0: <laughs> Alex, um, anyways, I I think, I
1: think, I think just see (laughs) my my eyes. He was moving. Uh, one of the, one of the cool things about, um, the femme fatale series as a whole is that there's so much consistency in regards to the product. And, you know, it's, we're talking about the cake and the chocolate and all the nuance. It's like, that's apparent in all of, all of them, not just these. So what's, what's so beautiful about it is that all of the femme fatales have those same nuanced, complex qualities and then they just have subtle differences where it's Kobosu and Sudachi, and we're running Yuzu on Draft right now, and Femme Fatale Noir is incredible, and the Blanc is my favorite because of the, just the way that, um, you know, I don't know if that one's so subtle, it's like the way you harness the <laughs> the Nelson Sauvin hops, it's just like, it's it's crazy, but it's so great that you have such a continuity between the line, and that's not, not it's kind of hard to find, I think. Mm. Thanks.
0: One thing, jumping back to restaurants and things. So, so Yepi, at, at Taurus and Luxus, I always thought it was going to be all, like, Evil Twin beers. But you actually have quite a range of beers there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not an Evil Twin bar. Um, and that was, that was the purpose from the beginning. I, I like to say that, yeah, I, I like my own beers, but I like a lot of other people's beers, too. And I didn't want to make an Evil Twin bar because for me to to be involved in a bar was about making the best bar I could make, and if someone makes a better Pilsner than I do, you know why the hell would I serve my own? I could just serve someone else's so I didn't want to put a an evil twin stand on it and say oh we only got, we only believe in ourselves. I've been in the beer industry for a long time, I've loved beer for a longer time um and I want to serve what's best. you know I just want to bring to the people what whatever it's best again, I like my own my own beers, but I like a lot of other beers too so
0: and Bill, for, for you, you guys, in addition to the brewery, now it's two breweries and you're opening a brew pub, yeah. but you've always had a restaurant. W- what are the beers that, that you're pouring on, on draft in in your own you know, brew pubs and restaurants? Well, that-
3: I'm, I'm sitting here with a, a fair amount of envy right now because um, Pennsylvania laws, if, if you're making your own beers, uh, depending on your licensing, you're only serving your own beers. Um, we can go out and become uh, take a restaurant license and serve a wider range, but it really... That was one of our drivers early on in our business model, is we didn't think that we could be, um, you know, a supplier of beers to other restaurants if we were also serving cocktails and also serving wine and doing exactly everything they were doing on the beverage program. So we constrained our model to only our own beers, and that has caused us to be able to keep this incredible array of beers going, uh, 24 on tap at our flagship Downingtown restaurant at any one given time. So, you know, these different business models, but I'm definitely envious of the concept of being able to uh, have other beers uh, served within my restaurant as well. Do you serve beers that you only make for the restaurant? Or do you, do you make your beers we for try, Yeah, we try to play fair. We try beer. to play fair. And with the size of our two brew houses, um, there's very few things that only get served at our brew pub. Um, typically, we always divvy a few things up and let them go out there into the world and see how they'll do. All
2: right, man. <laughs> Bill, how big is the uh, big show we now?
3: Uh, well, we've got in Downingtown a 50-barrel brew house, and we built a 200-barrel brew house in our second facility. So last year, we did 103,000 barrels, if, uh, if numbers matter. It that does to
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess everybody's growing.
0: You know, we, 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 had the, we were enamored with all the garage breweries, but now a lot of the breweries that we know, you know, you guys are growing, Brooklyn Brewery's growing, and, and you too, Yeppie. So growing you're, like you're making beer with uh, Two Roads in Connecticut which seems like they built... I feel like they built the brewery for you.
2: <laughs> I hope. Because uh-huh. now
0: you're... Like, we talked about the, my favorite one, the Cowboy, the Smoke Pilsner. I, I love that beer. Mm. Uh, t- tell us how, how, how your beers changed by
2: working with Two Roads. I mean, uh, Two Roads was, for me, what brought Evil Twin to the next level because I'm one of those so-called so called gypsy brewers. I don't own my own brewery yet. Um, and I needed I needed a place to brew when I was living in Denmark brewing all over Europe it was like small batches and it was expensive and it was you know logistically very difficult to you know brew in Scotland Norway Holland all kinds of places and having to ship them to Denmark and then to the USA and blah 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 and I heard about uh, two roads. So I went over I, I met the guys and I actually saw the space before it was even you know before they even started building out and I heard what they were going to do and you know the size of the system and they, they were taking in customers um, and it was kind of you know for me it was like it made made Evil Twin. Uh, I saw I I saw an opportunity for Evil Twin to get to the next level, and that's exactly what 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 happened. Um, I mean, just to put it in perspective, in eleven we made you know you said one hundred three thousand. In eleven two thousand eleven we made like a thousand barrels. In twelve we made two and, a, two, uh, two, two and a half thousand barrels. Last year we made about seven thousand, and yes, this year we're going to do about fourteen thousand barrels. So we're, yeah. we're definitely growing fast, you know, and that's mainly because of two roads and we can get the capacity and we get the good prices so we can actually get the beers out to, to, to customers. I mean, it, it
0: does make a difference like a lot of these new, like, especially like specialty imports, they just, the kegs are so expensive. And totally. then We have to charge like $10 for a wine glass size or $12 sometimes. Exactly, yeah. And by you making here in Connecticut, you're actually able to to make a competitive like, American craft beer. Pricing, yeah, when you know? I was
2: growing in Europe, you know, I, I I saw the complaints on on the internet all the time. Oh, Evil Train is overpriced, blah blah. And I could only say, you know what? I totally agree. It's overpriced. You know, I wish I could make it cheaper, but you know, people were like, why 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 do we have to pay sixteen dollars for a six pack of hipster? Ale? And I was like, I don't know. I make sixteen cent a can, so don't blame me because <laughs> I, I don't run with those sixteen dollars. So. You know, it's uh, it's it's definitely it's, it's definitely been very good for me to to be at Two Roads and be able to put the beers out at a better price, bigger scale.
3: You know what I find so encouraging is the fact that you know really intelligent guys at Two Roads built a brewery that will allow your vision to come to light, and we've got guys like Alex in the room that are you know building a beer program that's got essentially what you know what you might call an entry level beer that can take people to you know a deeper flavor of beer. So. The beer universe right now is incredibly exciting because on both ends of the spectrum, uh, whether it's the raw ingredients, whether it's the production, or whether it's the retail, it's really just keeps opening wider and wider for us brewers to have more fun and do more expressive things.
0: That's great.
2: Totally agree. Be-
0: before we close, I'm going to just do a, a quick like, wild card question. First of the bill, this, I've never asked you this. What, what beer, if you couldn't get victory beer and, and you were out in a package shop or a liquor store and you were feeling lucky... And and you could get a decent beer. What what beer would 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 you hope would be in that Cooler at a store?
3: The first one that came to mind that I always find comfort in because it's pretty reliable and it's just got very comfortable flavors is Triple Carmelite.
2: I like that one, too
0: any other reason you just <laughs> like it? Any other reason? No. you
3: know well you know you, you hit me with a wild question and and that one's it's got an amazing sort of orange blossom quality to it I, i'm not actually a big belgian beer guy per se um but that one has got very comforting flavors to it so if i was stressed out in a bottle shop looking for something i wanted and i
2: found out i would be instantly happy all right what about you Yeppy? Um, I, I mean, I get asked the question a lot. So what is your favorite brewery? And can you have a favorite brewery? I don't know. I always, but, you know, since I get asked the question a lot, I kind of have to have an answer. And I always answer uh, Jolly Pumpkin out of Michigan. Um, Jolly Pumpkin to me is uh, it's so unique and, and so different in the whole approach of, of making beers. You know, they started barrel aging before barrel aging was even invented. They do 100% uh you know, all the beers are with wild yeast, or bread, uh, bread, and it's just so unique and they have such a cool house flavor. That's every time I drink a Joe Pumpkin, I'm just amazed how good it is. And I actually made a collaboration with Joe Pumpkin uh, a couple weeks ago, which you know I've been asking Ron for like five years if he would do it, and uh, finally he, he, he said yes. And it was a big deal for me because I just love everything they do.
3: Collaborations are kind of like back to high school dating. You just keep Isn't asking it? and asking <laughs> and asking.
2: <laughs> I had jolly pumpkin in my head for a long time and i was like i need to make this happen <laughs> everybody gets one date right? <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> and alex what, what, what about for you like you're on a vacation and you know you you go into that store and you're like please let them have outside something outside of evil twin
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> thank you alex <laughs> i love um, you too i've never
0: seen <laughs> evil twin on vacation
1: <laughs> the, the no matter what was the summer beer you know um now it's you know i think that when you're outside of your comfort zone, you're looking for something, you're looking for consistency, whether it be Triple Carmelie, where you know no matter where you are, you get it. Um, I think Allagash, you know, people hate on Allagash White, but the one thing that Rob Todd does right is consistency. You know, it it, it just crushes no matter what. No matter where you get it, it's always going to be that same thing. It's such a beautiful beer. And- you just Bill,
3: yeah, Bill started shaking his head I just like sat he's back excited, and shook my head because I'm a big Rob Todd fan, and especially a big Allegash White fan. The, the consistency of that brewery, and also the the leading edge of things that they do. So I'm, I'm definitely glad you mentioned that one, Alex.
1: It's it's just an easy go to beer, even if you're in a supermarket somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Yep.
3: If, if I'm in the Jersey Shore, <laughs> get, get him a beer.
0: If I see Victory Hot Devil, which I have seen. I, I'm very happy. You
2: know? I'm <laughs> glad to make you happy. Oh yeah, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. If you ask me, what I have in my fridge right now besides Evil Twin, it's actually <laughs> <laughs> Victory Prima Pills. Hmm. It's a good I mean, one. Yeah. Oh, though, okay.
0: Yeah. On that note, I love Prima Pills, but I love even more the Victory Brownmeister series. T- tell us about that before we sign off, because right, it's I- like you have you have your great pills, then you have, like, a special
3: series of pills. Well, I think Yippie's going to recognize this. Sometimes when you hit something and, and you get it right, then you're, like, boxed in, and all you get to do is that thing. Um, and as much as I love Prima pills, if you, if you cut... You know, if you cut my wrist right now, Prima Pills would flow out. But, <laughs> but Brownmeister Pills, we began in 19, I'm sorry, 2001, and it was just an opportunity to very methodically go through all the different hops that we had interest in and do, them, do a Prima Pills recipes without the Four Noble hops, just a single variety of hops. And uh, we've really settled on as tetanang as, as, our, as our main go-to, but um, we'll keep developing on that one forever.
0: That's a good one to look... I was... So, because I put it on my list at Jimmy's number 43, I'm like, it's victory brownmeister pills. And I I always hope that someone knows the difference because it's... I'm, I'm always proud to have that. So As
3: long as you're happy with it, oh, everyone yeah. should be happy.
0: <laughs> We're going to give a quick shout-out to some special events coming up. Gosh, it's... uh it's, it's September. It's almost October. Next week, uh, we're producing the October Feast at the Seaport. We've got a, a lineup of great new local hard-to-get beers like Secret Engine, Bridge and Tunnel, Other Half, and Matt Timms, our, our favorite MC, is going to lead a People's Choice Proverbs competition. So check it out, October Feast, on our site, com. And Cider Week's coming up, too. We'll look forward to that at the end of October. In closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who've helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Bill, RJ, Yeppe, and Alex for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All
4: right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non To donate and become a member, visit our website today.
3: Thanks for listening.